Hey, and welcome to episode 24 of the Thodcast. I'm your host, Philip Elke, and uh, we'd like to welcome to the Thodcast Conversations About Animation, uh, our new guest for today. And I am joined by Hannah Lee Smart. Is that uh, how, how you go? Is that the name you go by, Hannah? Yeah, sure. I go by lots of things, but that's the one that's on my birth certificate, so it's pretty good. Hi, everyone. Well, welcome to the show. Um, and you are an actress or actor, uh, however you prefer it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, just t- tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I know lots of people on the podcast have already met Jody, so... Um, I work with Jody at Pretty Princess Parties, so we just travel around the U.S. doing a children's entertainment tour, so we meet tons of kids, and um, I was a theater major in college, and now I just do that, and I do shows when I can, and it's it's pretty fun. Awesome. So you uh, spend time sort of role-playing as uh, characters from film and TV uh princesses particularly and um so you uh have a fair amount of familiarity with movies i would say yeah i watch lots of animation tinkerbell's kind of my main girl so i've gotten to see um just her character kind of develop through how animation has developed starting with peter pan and of course like drawings and novels and stuff like that so it's really interesting to see how it's all developed over the years and how just that one character how her face shape and how her style has changed but still evolved as the same person fairy i guess mm-hmm. yeah it's a incredible evolution with that character and um i i have really am not as familiar with the current uh status of that that whole uh, <laughs> the the fairy lore, shall we say? But um, I've, I've definitely seen Peter Pan, you know, many times. Um, so today we're talking about a new film that came out from Leica Animation called "The Missing Link," or uh, simply "Missing Link." No, no article at the beginning. <laughs> but um, so. We'll just get right into that. So, Hannah, I uh, invited you on to uh, talk about Missing Link. What did you think of the film? So, going into this, I knew that I didn't love stop motion animation. It's just not my favorite style of animation. So, I was a little weary, but I mentally had to prepare that was what the film was going to be about. Um, I was kind of interested to watch how his fur moved and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised it moved just a little, it looked. Um, also, I was very excited about Hugh Jackman, um, Mr. Frost, in the movie, just because I love the Hugh Jackman, so that was good, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little nervous it was going to be so similar to stuff like Wallace and Gromit. That's not my favorite type of movie, but I think it kind of held its own in a different light. Yeah, the, uh, the animation was incredible. And um, it was amazing just to see how technically precise uh, so many of the aspects of it really were. Um, things like the motion of fabric and fur and how they kept it just so smooth. There, there were almost no flaws 
and I, I just don't really understand how that that comes to be. It just takes, I guess, such meticulous craft and uh, precision in order to perform at that level of stop motion animation. But um, are, have you seen the pre some of the previous films from Leica? Um, I've seen like Coraline and stuff like that. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Yes. Yeah, and I, I feel like I like those movies. Honestly, I feel like this one was pretty, pretty smooth. Like, I totally agree with that, that it was really smooth. You could pick up your Coraline is also pretty well smoothed out as well. Yeah, um, so there are now six films I'm seeing here uh, produced by Leica. Uh, Missing Link was the sixth, and um, the first listed here is uh, Tim Burton's Corpse Bride, and um, they so they don't come out all that frequently. Uh, the film Missing Link took five years to make. It was written and directed by Chris Butler, uh, the creator of Paranorman. Um, so. In uh, succession, the films of Leica are The Corpse uh, Bride in 2005, Coraline in 2009, uh, Paranorman in 2012, The Box Trolls in 2014, and uh, Kubo in, and The Two Strings in 2016. I've, I've seen, I have not seen Corpse Bride or Box Trolls. I think I've seen part of Box Trolls, but to be honest, I haven't seen most of those movies. When I went into this, I was thinking, um, not that I didn't know anything, but I was thinking more so along the lines of like, oh, is this going to be something like, like again, like Wallace and Gromit or what was that movie, Chicken Run, those kind of things. I mm -hmm. thought it would almost be similar to those kind of movies. Yeah, looking at the poster and some of the marketing, it uh, the design, at least of the the title character, the the Bigfoot character, does kind of resemble what you'd see from uh, from the more claymation style. Um, the The animation studio is Ardman Animation that does like the Chicken Run, uh, Wallace and Gromit. Shaun the Sheep films, and um, yeah, they they use a you know a distinctive style that just involves uh, you know shaping the characters with with actual clay, uh, you know, hence the the claymation <laughs> right. uh, description. But um, the, the this uh, process is a little different at Leica that they I think they create um, through the process. Uh, through the process of 3D printing, typically, or um, th they create little models, and then they swap out features to, you know, make the facial animation. Um, you know, the the uh, figures are are like little puppets that they can manipulate through right. their sort of sophisticated skeletal structure that they have. Just you know, being able to make the most precise minute uh, movements from frame to frame so that you know it 
it just appears as smooth as it does. Um, and then, yes, yeah, swapping out certain things when they, you know, they need to show the mouths moving. I don't know, it, it just seems so complex. And uh, you know, the fact that they're able to do it and, and make it look so convincing uh, is, is really mind boggling. Yeah, it's incredible how they can do that. It's like 95 minutes full of, oh my gosh, they moved it so, so, so intricately throughout mm -hmm. the whole thing. You didn't notice the whole time. As like a child watching it, they would never know it was anything different than something that they've seen before. Like, they yeah. would never understand the concept probably of something like stop motion because it's so intricate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it, it really is incredible. Um, so the film Missing Link is about a creature hunter slash explorer um, named Lionel, <laughs> Lionel Frost, played by Hugh Jackman. He's, uh, I guess he's a, a purveyor of mysteries and um, likes to search for uh, some of these, you know, lesser known or, uh, I don't know, mythological type entities that, um, you know, people claim to see, but there's really no definitive proof to their existence, such as um, the Loch Ness Monster or um, the Bigfoot, Sasquatch, um, or in the Himalayas, the Yeti. So uh, the, the film um, pr presents all three of these creatures at, at various points. Um, and we'll get into some full spoilers uh, as we review it. But um, the movie does open on a scene of uh, Frost and his assistant uh, on Loch Ness. And this is where we have a, an opening sort of action scene of, uh, of Frost trying to wrangle the Loch Ness <laughs> monster. And uh, <laughs> then uh, and ha has, he has to rescue his assistant and um, the camera gets smashed. So there's no proof, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, in order to really, um, you know, allow Frost to re... Um, he, he's very interested in making a name for himself. Yeah. And so uh, he unfortunately is unable to do so uh, during his encounter with the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, I think um, that whole opening scene was so different than a lot of the other parts of the film. And it was almost like it was like a darker, they really set up the Loch Ness Monster in that darker scene with like all of the, all of the water was really dark. Everything was really, really dark. And mm -hmm. his attitude was even a little darker in that part. It was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he uh, is not a very likable character as we see at the beginning of the film. And yet, yeah, as we mentioned, uh, portrayed by Hugh Jackman, who's always quite likable in the roles he plays, uh, even if he's not always the most savory of characters. Um, he's, yeah, very proper English gentleman, um, sportsman, but yeah, he, he doesn't seem to have much regard for the safety of his uh, associates. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> 
And, and I, uh, um, I'm, I think when they get back, when the guy's quitting, he said, this is why you lose everyone or something along those lines. So it must mm-hmm. not be his first day in the sun with that, losing his assistants because they're getting eaten by things like the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, it, was, it was crazy how, uh, yeah, he was able to even <laughs> come close to rescuing his assistant, but, but he does <laughs> succeed at that. You know, the, the Loch Ness Monster is this enormous swamp creature and uh, kind of like a dinosaur. It, it clearly isn't very intelligent based on what, what's shown. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, uh, thankfully, they do make it out all right. Um, yeah, so we're then introduced to the, um, this gentleman's society. Um, can you, I don't know if I can remember offhand what, what it was called, but it's led by uh, the Lord Piggott Dunsby, voiced by Stephen Fry. And uh, he's all about debunking Hugh Jackman's character as a fraud. Yeah, and saying that he can't come into their club. It was so mean girls, real housewives, that level of what are you talking about? He can't be in your little club <laughs> thing. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was kind of wild. And I think that was almost a carried theme through the film is almost like the acceptance was for some and not for all. And it was just interesting that that was such a point. And he mm-hmm. still wanted to be involved with people that didn't seem to. Yeah, yeah. Um, that just goes in line with Lionel Frost's ego and arrogance. Um, he, you know, is trying to get into this this horrible <laughs> society that just has very little respect for anyone who isn't, you know, a male British um, noble and um, is, is very uh, retrograde in his views. <laughs> um, but th- that's what brings us you know, on this adventure where uh, Sir Lionel, you know, has to, um, has to undergo a transformation. And um, it, it's interesting to see his character kind of grow and progress throughout the film. Um, he, so he eventually gets, uh, we see that he has a letter that claims them to know the location of the famed uh, North American man-ape uh, known as Sasquatch, the mysterious and elusive Sasquatch. Um, <laughs> he he uh, takes it upon himself to go and, and seek it out. To, to reclaim his uh, his name, we we find out at at one point in the film that um, Frost is an heir to an immense fortune, but he's squandered it on hunting and uh, and like women or and gambling, uh, you know, just lots of carousing, <laughs> and that was kind of funny. Yeah, it's interesting how. Um, it's almost like who's surrounding him. So when we finally meet the Sasquatch, I don't know if I'm jumping here, but I thought it was interesting how the lighting changed, everything changed. And it was almost like a whole new world just when we first see his face. 
Mm-hmm. And it changes Frost almost immediately. He just becomes a more happy aura. Yeah. Yeah. The the movie is very atmospheric. Um, I liked the scene where uh, Frost is riding into the old west, or I guess it's in the uh, Pacific Northwest, um, that lumber town uh, in Washington. It's just very muddy, very... Uh, just very wet and just lush, but also, uh, yeah, you kind of get that sense that (laughs) this is civilization on the fringes. Um, I I really, really enjoyed that. Um, But yeah, it kind of goes from the dark uh, murkiness of some of the scenes back in uh, in Great Britain and then now, we're we're introduced to this kind of serene environment where um the the missing link resides and uh and yeah you you're absolutely right we get the scene where uh, he's approaching bigfoot from behind and uh the the letter gets caught in the wind sort of like uh pocahontas or something the <laughs> the wind just uh, picks up and uh magically it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and and then like some summons it to the you know bigfoot himself or as um he's later referred to mr link and then eventually there's a scene where he does get his own name yes my favorite part of the whole movie susan Mm -hmm. (laughs) he gets named after uh, a friendly prospector uh (laughs) who he knew um yeah the <laughs> so susan played by zach galifianakis yes his his whole character is just very i don't know zen shall we say or he's just he's very yeah, zen friendly and silly almost like childhood innocence is his character oh yes i uh, did you know this is the first uh like a film not uh based around uh children as the main characters huh so it's interesting because i felt like he had a lot of um childlike qualities like the banter that he would say is the what's the word bit he's like what's the word the word is like, oh. what's the word when he was trying to get him to trust him and then he finally just said oh yeah he <laughs> yeah was you so have confused like a little child <laughs> you have my word <laughs> yeah what's All right. the word yeah it was what, super what word? cute mm-hmm. he um, takes everything literally yes and then on the train when he gets on the train and he looks out the window and he says oh i feel so woodsy and he had lived out in those woods his whole entire life it's like huh the crack a window bit <laughs> yeah oh mm-hmm. breaks it <laughs> spoiler sorry <laughs> <laughs> the uh so the leader of it's called the optimates club oh yeah um optimate optimate um i don't know seems seems almost a play on the term primate uh, optimate um but yeah lord uh piggott dunsby hires uh like a contract killer to to track um Lionel Frost and and that and they first encounter each other after um Frost finds Susan 
at this little town, um, this little like mining town. And uh, so there's a crazy fight brawl scene in the in the in the pub or the um, saloon, I guess. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> Which is another moment where it's almost amazing that it's stop motion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really get to see the uh, some intense uh, action scenes, and um, it just must have been such a process <laughs> getting all those fast movements to uh, line up and, and all the elements in the background. It, it really does turn into your classic, uh, you know, town saloon brawl. Yeah, the wild, wild west. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it plays on sort of the stereotypical fight, uh, bar fight where, you know, two people get into a fight and then the whole place just, suddenly for some reason erupts into chaos uh, by like showing how one of the guys he just randomly punches a, a moose head that's mounted on the wall <laughs> just like pointing out the insanity of it all that part was so sad <laughs> as if the moose hadn't been through enough exactly Oh, uh, the yeah, the the moose's tongue comes hanging out. It was another gag. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there was a lot of the the hidden adult humor in this one. Yeah, um, the pl plenty for adults to pick up on. Um, mm -hmm. you know, anim animators are notorious perverts. <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that, but like <laughs> uh, they uh, oftentimes like having to work on more child friendly material you know tends to make one sort of longing to try to sneak a few things by the sensors um, <laughs> so, so they get get really really great creative i can't think of offhand necessarily um anything from this movie that really shocked me uh can, can you um nothing that they said i will say that I'm just someone that I don't love it when there's like tons of guns in kids movies. And I thought there was more of that than I expected in this. There was a just lot. Because, yeah, there was a lot. And a lot of them like pointed at other characters' heads and stuff like that, which I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's like a moment at the end, which I might save for later, that I was just a little like, whoa. Mm -hmm. Because you almost think the film is about acceptance and about like being unique and finding where you belong. Mm -hmm. Because it's almost clear that their relationship is evolving through um, Frost and Susan or whatever his name mm -hmm. will be in that scene. Mm -hmm. um, their relationship is evolving so much and then you have these moments where it's taken back because they're not accepting somebody else. Yeah uh evolution a major theme in this film yeah so we can let's see they they escape the the brawl because susan's an exceptionally strong <laughs> and powerful character um he just sort of uh, glides his way through any uh what, what's the word altercation with other humans he, he's like what 600 pounds or something um but yeah, uh, so moving on to the next 
you know, to kind of the, the next main introduction that we get. Um, we, we learned that Frost had an old associate who's now deceased, but his, the associate's widow is now living in uh, Santa Ana uh, or in, Cal- in California, <laughs> shall we say. <laughs> and um, so we, we have to, he has to visit her to find a map that um, Aldous Fortnite had that could lead to the Yetis because um, Susan you know, makes it clear that his, his mission is to you know, go find other people who are like him. He's, he's very lonely up in the woods. Uh, he doesn't have a family. Um, so they, uh, that thus begins a whole new adventure. Yeah, um, that whole, um, when we meet the, the widow, um, Adelina, um, I wasn't too sure if her character was like completely necessary, but I think we almost needed it to get that bit about the map and all of that section of the movie. I just, when we first met her, I thought there was a lot of banter. That was a little adult too, actually, now that I think about it. Um, it was very, she was very sassy right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he uh, clearly has a lot of feelings for her still. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, his, uh, <laughs> his attitude got in the way of that relationship. Oh, man. He clearly messed up just, just a little bit of a lot. <laughs> a little bit of a lot. So she, she refuses to help him. Uh, they they try to break into a safe. Uh, <laughs> the the safe gets shot yeah. by a gun, <laughs> and uh, they uh, you know make off with the map. They they steal it from her. She tracks them down uh, at a at the uh, train station, uh, but so does the the hired you know the hitman, um, Mister Stank. Uh, let's see, Willard Stank, played by Timothy Oliphant. Um, yeah, the um, did, did we say Adelina Fortnite, portrayed by Zoe Saldana? Um, so there's a there's a whole encounter at the train station. Um, they trick Stank into thinking that they. Uh, they boarded the train, um, but they didn't. And so they have to trek all the way back across the United States to New York. Um, they, they, uh, there's a brief scene of them departing on a ship, New York Harbor. Um, but Willard Stink at least was able to, uh, re, uh, <laughs> to pick up on the trail at that point. And uh, he, he is also on the ship, we find out. Um, but yeah, there's this great shot of the New York Harbor and the uh, Statue of Liberty under construction. And that Statue of Liberty model was something that artists, you know, spent, you know, days, weeks creating. Um, and it was only visible in in like a couple seconds of footage. So pretty yeah, amazing. That's so interesting. Scenes are really intricate, but that one in particular has tons of parts and tons of 
it needed to be so accurate in certain aspects of it. Yeah, the the travel scenes are kind of abbreviated by these uh, shots of like characters uh, charting lines on maps, and it's uh, clearly a, an homage to like the the map scenes in Indiana Jones. Uh, yes. they're, they're traveling over. <laughs> it made me feel like I'm Lewis and Clark or something. Yeah, yeah, very, very adventuring. So uh, this this both scene I thought had kind of a fun nod to uh, a couple of Christopher Nolan films. Of course, the the famed director of the Dark Knight trilogy, uh, the Prestige, Inception. Well, uh, <laughs> they're on this ship out in the Atlantic, and there's this massive storm that creating just these impossible waves. Just kind of, I mean, you can get away with it in an animated film. Um, just these giant, yeah, way and like the ship, sort of uh, listing almost totally horizontally <laughs> to the point where, so you get Inception with the the characters um running around in these hallways that are like spinning <laughs> and um interstellar with the giant waves i don't know if, if you see if you've seen either of those have you seen inception um no but i know that everyone tells me to watch inception because you have seen inception and i feel like i knew you're gonna ask me that <laughs> One of those movies yeah that, uh if you're like at a bar you just pretend you're calling <laughs> exactly yeah there's that famous hallway fight scene uh with joseph gordon levitt and um yeah they built a whole big like rig on a set that allowed the <laughs> that set to like to spin on an axis uh i mean the the ship doesn't uh you know it doesn't capsize miraculously it doesn't invert but um would... they are like <laughs> I was shocked that the, the people on the ship were not at all panicked because I would have been losing yeah. it. I know they're uh, animations, but those waves were pretty big. So I was, yeah. when I saw that there were so many people, at first I didn't really realize, oh yeah, there's tons of people in this ship. And then as he was running through the hallways to escape or whatever, I was looking at all the people thinking, why aren't you screaming? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they were a little bit concerned, but um, that, yeah, they're just sort of poking their heads out of their cabin, uh, where you know that uh, that have now become like the <laughs> the doors to their cabins have now become the floor that uh, these characters are you know chasing through the hallways <laughs> on. Yeah, well, and then yeah, if you, if you haven't seen, not as many people have seen the movie Interstellar, but there's a like a planet that they go to where there are these giant waves created by this crazy like gravity, um, you know, generated by like a, a nearby black hole. So that, that's it's a very striking scene visually. Um, 
Yeah, so they they uh, they play fast and loose with physics in Missing Link. Yes, very loose. <laughs> it's not quite the challenge. Yeah. Mm hmm. As they as they should in stop motion. Um, but so we we didn't mention the uh, the scene where that they're on the deck. This is the touching moment between Frost and. Um, Susan, where, where Susan gets his name. Oh, yes. Um, and he says, it's a girl's name, but you can be Susan. And I love that he got to be a girl's name, because why not? <laughs> exactly. Quote, unquote, girl's name. <laughs> Quote, unquote. Yeah, yeah, Lionel warms to that idea quite quickly. He just, you know, he accepts it. He's like, it suits you. So we see that he's, yeah. he's softened quite a bit. Does. You wouldn't you wouldn't call him Susan on your own. But when he calls himself Susan, you just said, Alright, I get you, buddy. Mm-hmm. I offer you a glimpse of a legendary creature lost in time. Neither ape nor man, but a giant. He's had many names. Actually, I go by Susan. Su Susan. Yeah, Susan. That is a girl's name. Yes, that's correct. It suits you. <laughs> I need someone who knows the wild places of the world. And you're the world's greatest adventurer. What exactly do you ask of me? I'm lonely. I'm the last of my kind. But on the other side of the world, they talk of this creature, the Yeti. I think these Yetis are my cousins. Can you take me there? I give you my word. Okay, what is it? What? Your word. No, it's a figure of speech. Sounds good. What is it? Right. So they they arrive uh, on, I guess uh, they they make a trek through the jungle. Do they, they take the ship all the way to what India or something? <laughs> I can't uh, um, remember exactly how how that works. Or if they they don't um. travel across, because um, because. Uh, Link, uh, yeah, Susan never visits England. I think they're, they're in the Himalayas at that point. Yeah, they take the ship to the Himalayas. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, they get led to the, the home of the Yetis. It's um, Shangri-La is the uh, destination, the hidden kingdom ruled by Yetis. Um, and and yeah, that's uh, turns out to not be what um, Susan, you know, everything that he's hoped for. Um, I, I thought there would be a little bit more to that scene. Yeah, with, it almost uh, felt like they spent more time on the part with the oh, I forget her name, the old lady with the chicken. They spent so much more time on that than they did on the big grand finale. Yeah, yeah, we meet characters um ama lamu and gamu i think gamu's the one with the chicken <laughs> <laughs> i should have known her name instead of a old lady with the chicken Whoop. yeah that was funny don't mention the chicken yeah don't um, mention the chicken immediately that's another time where uh susan's learning the social norm and we get a kick out of it mm-hmm because again, if you said that to a kid, don't mention the 
<laughs> you you've probably had some experience with you know kids being a little bit direct oh, <laughs> or uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, what what's that so uh so you kind of know the, the to, to uh sidetrack a little bit like the it's very um involved trying to be like a Disney princess. There's a lot of rules you have to follow. Yes. And you're probably familiar with these kinds of things. Um, <laughs> uh, is that, uh, do you get tested a lot by these kids or, or is it fairly straightforward? Um, you get tested in ways that you don't expect, but a lot of it is like repeat. So a lot of the kids will ask me simple questions like, can you fly? And you always have like your go-to answer for stuff like that. But then out of the blue, they'll be like, my grandma showed me a doll of you. And you just have to be like, that's great. There's just so many out of the blue. Or they'll be like, um, there was a kid earlier today that was just telling me all about how she was going to take my shoes. And she thought she was, that would be so funny. And I was like, please don't take my shoes. There's just so <laughs> many aspects of it that are a little wild. So, you know, a kid calling themselves and asking about the chicken would be a day in the park for me so it was mm -hmm. pretty it's a pretty cute little bit and when he eats the little uh i don't know if they're supposed to be like um poop cookies whatever that was <laughs> am i allowed to say poop oh that uh, that was that was fun um yeah yeah the <laughs> these yak uh cakes the the like the the cow pies yeah he's um, like, that's made of yak and he thinks it's gross and oh the soup's also yak that's gross and then he just eats the little poop cookies and he's like these are amazing <laughs> yeah i mean that that could have been a lot more cringeworthy than it was but they actually <laughs> they didn't look that terrible no it like made the kids want to eat the cookies with him like uh-oh <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not as bad as the the joke in the preview for the sequel to Secret Life of Pets <laughs> that makes a similar joke. Um, I don't know. <laughs> There's a dog that's in a litter box and who talks about all the treats <laughs> that are in the litter box. Oh, uh, uh, it's so terrible. Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> what they actually ate like the it was like some soup or something they had soup and then they had just like um she had a name for it but it was just like yakky and then when she said that was yak she got all grossed out and then mm. he drank the soup and he's like oh i'll just have the soup because um adelina told him not to be rude or something mm. and then um 
like the soup and she says that's yak as well and then he gets grossed out by that and then he's like it's okay these cookies are good pretty much and then you know we go from there back to the food it's silly and we never figured out what was with the chicken oh no <laughs> the unanswered questions of missing weight that would be number one it gave her mystical abilities yeah it was a little wild mm -hmm. it was like unnecessary but that's what the kids gonna tell their mom when they go home were there uh lots of kids when you saw it like what was the um the no, feeder like we were pretty much the we were the only guys there pretty much in that one which i thought it would be more but you know there's so many other things plus it was like a late show it was like Nine o'clock or whatever that was. Mm -hmm. So the, the kids go to the, the new with the grandmas, you know, so they can get the extra sour patch. So we're pretty free to take notes. <laughs> so I guess uh, getting to the pretty much the conclusion of the film and um, the uh, introduction of Shangri La, the, the famed mythical. Uh, locale, you know, presumed to be located in, uh, I guess, Tibet or, or somewhere in the Himalayas. Um, and uh, in this iteration, it's ruled over by uh, the the Yetis, um, who are, yeah, they're kind of a very posh, uh, like they have their own hangups with uh, outsiders and, and, things that seem foreign or less less evolved like uh like susan they kind of look upon, at susan as like a hill person yeah She's, yeah i think so too susan is like trash to them they're so high society it's almost the same deal as the um the the great men whatever that group was called um yeah the it, optimates yeah it's like Yeah, they uh, are able to break out. Like, uh, I guess the, <laughs> the plan was just to leave them there. I mean, at, at least the the Yetis didn't just like execute them or something. <laughs> I'm not sure what they were planning to do. Yeah, actually, um, I had that in my in my little notes here when she um, when the they say they're down for preservation. I couldn't tell if she was going to jail them or kill them and then they just ended up in like an ice box so mm -hmm. again that could go either way i don't know yeah well uh i guess they they weren't totally uh uncivilized but this movie is all about pointing out the incivility of those who purport to be the most civilized right um and uh, so Adelina is able to escape the the pit and uh, break everyone out. <laughs> the the fun scene where uh, Susan's trying to throw Frost out of the pit. And whose fault was that? Yours or mine? That was a good line. <laughs> um, and then yeah, there's the whole 
climax on the bridge. Um, the uh, characters Stank and uh, Piggot. Oh, I did not Dunsby. like that. I don't want him to say that they, they stink and they suck and whatever he says because they didn't accept him. And then when the, when the bad guys all get thrown off the cliff, like the bad guys, you can help them too. Come on, Susan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they try right. They um, let's see, they they kind of try to save um, like some of these other characters, but uh, it was just due to their you know incompetence that the the bridge collapsed and took <laughs> took some of the characters with them. Uh, everyone except for the heroes. Of course, um, whoops! They slipped out easy. It must be an animated. Um, this was also the point in the, the film where I noticed that Adelina's accent was almost completely gone for like five sentences. Oh yeah, it was it was at the end here. Yeah, the actor in me had like a little flip out. I was like, "What's going on? Where'd her accent go? Is this the same character?" Huh? Yeah, I didn't I didn't notice that. Yeah, it just, it flipped up a few times, but particularly in her little monologue towards the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I we haven't talked too much about Adelina, but like you, you kind of mentioned like the the movie, you know, didn't make her into the most crucial character. Mm-hmm. But it was it was it was good to have kind of the added pair of eyes. Um, and there was the on the bridge when um. I'm sorry, the guy that is the leader of the men's group. Mm-hmm. Um, when he says, of course you want to be one of us. We're, um, we are great men. We chase the world. And then when Frost looks back at him and says, the world chased us, I thought that was a very interesting quote. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, this completing of the evolution of Sir Lionel and uh yeah, Sir Lionel learned his lesson in that quote. Absolutely. Yeah, and then he renounces the society, the optimates, and uh decides to go off on his own with Susan as his um his expedition partner. The uh, then he falls back in love with Adelina, and the two live happily ever ever after. Not yeah, but she does the thing where she like disses all men, and then it's like, what's going on with her? He's like all sweet, and she has her big chance, and then she's like, I don't need a man. Which like you go, girl, but she got a little too sassy for me. But it was her big chance with Frost, and then she just was like, bye bye. Which like. Well, uh, she chooses a life of adventure, and so she she picks her she picks um, you know the life of an explorer over a man over settling down at least for now while she's got uh, <laughs> her youth still. I was being a tad pessimistic, I guess. 
I just wanted her to like live her dreams and have her man and do anything. With Susan yeah. as her friend. She just liked California too much. <laughs> Don't we all? Just kidding. <laughs> well, I guess both know I guess you like California. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. Could never could never leave. We call it. What does it mean? Keep out, we hate you. From me out of the pit. I think it might be a little too heavy. Nonsense. Now, give it all you've got. Oh, it's hard to know whose fault that was. Let's do it again. Well, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much our... Uh, review discussion of uh, of Missing Link uh, 2019 film from Leica and Annapurna Pictures and uh, so yeah what uh, how would you rate the the film you don't necessarily have to provide a number but um, you know in terms of enjoyment was really good was it so so And I know the world is giving it like all the rotten tomatoes and all the stars. Um, but I think it could have used the animation itself was like very good. I think the voice acting part of it, which is that someone that watches those kinds of things for the acting aspect, I think I was mm-hmm. picking up a lot more on that stuff than maybe most people do. I think that needed some work. Hmm. But overall, I think it was it was pretty good. Um, I'm definitely glad that it's rated PG, just because there was lots of guns for a kid. But overall, I feel like it was fine, and I didn't I didn't hate it. I wasn't like woo, but I didn't hate it. Is that a rating? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm kind of. <laughs> you know, I there were some you know definitely some good messages, um, but like I wasn't on the edge of my seat during the the film um it it just it seemed a little bit um you know cliche you're dealing with very familiar uh aspects like you know the the bigfoot uh, mythology um you know that's that's something that's been done many times um that we we recently had a animated movie about yetis you know that small foot film last year and and there's even going to be another one coming out from dreamworks this year um so it's kind of a little bit saturated with with that kind of thing um oh even aardman uh the the claymation studio had their early man film last year about yeah yeah. so (laughs) i don't i mean this movie took five years to to make so they couldn't have possibly predicted that, but maybe they started a wave. Um, some of these other studios maybe caught wind of what they were doing and were like, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, we can just uh, put it out in less than five years. Um, yeah, it, it's such an incredible amount of work that goes into this. Um, the story wasn't totally there for me um but it was worth seeing 
Uh, it's it's unfortunate because the movie is currently like the lowest grossing uh, of the Leica films. Um, it's, you know, and that's by quite a bit. It's been out for three weeks now. And uh, it's it's only sitting at like $15 million at the domestic box office. And that's compared to their most recent film, Kubo and the Two Strings, uh, you know, that ended up with uh, close to 50 million, wow. you know, 48 million, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you know, all these numbers don't, you know, they're only a part of the picture, but um, it, it kind of is a, a frightening sign for, for Leica. Like, I, I, uh, <laughs> I would hate to see in coming days, like a news article saying that, you know, the, either they, they're having to close or, you know, focus on, on other things. Like they'll no longer be able to do stop motion. Um, it, it's tough to say, you know, how, how they can keep going. Cause even um, none of their films have made it a lot of money at the box office and they don't all give the production budget here, uh, but the Coraline, they're most successful. Um, it made 75 million and um, it, uh, it costs about 60 million. So. Well, I think Coraline was on a completely different level. I think Coraline was up there for me. Had, had a lot of uh, credibility with the director of Nightmare Before Christmas and the, the novel, you know, the writer, Neil Gaiman. Um, but I can't imagine it, it involved, it, it probably took just as much uh, time and money to, to make this uh, latest film as it did Coraline. Maybe not. I, <laughs> I'm not totally sure. But um, it, it is just super impressive, and I'd hate to see it go away. Uh, so that's why I'm talking about it here. You know, box office isn't, isn't very important, but um, if you're interested in seeing more of, uh, of something, you know, the, <laughs> the number one thing that'll determine whether we, you know, get more of these types of films is, you know, how, how well they perform with audiences. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if they maybe had an idea that was a bit fresher, um, you know, you, you're dealing with a, a Victorian setting in Missing Link, that's been done many times. Um, sort of the adventure uh, genre is, is something that's very familiar. And, uh, you know, unless you're bringing something really fresh to the table, um, people will just be kind of wishing they were watching Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think they kind of poured all the cliches into one on this guy. Mm -hmm. But at least they didn't get um, Adelina and Ross didn't get married at the end. That would have really. I'm glad that they did. Yeah, yeah, they they put some very clever twists on the genre. Um, and it was it was 
it was fresh. You know, it, it did get good reviews, right? Of course, but um, I yeah, just apparently people didn't have much interest to go see a movie about uh, an animated Bigfoot <laughs> for whatever reason. Uh, and, and yeah, yeah it's, uh, so jokes on them. Yeah, it's, it's their loss. <laughs> All right, well. Uh, I hate to end on sort of a sour note. It's really uh, a film worth seeing. Um, and if you haven't caught up on other Leica films, uh, definitely recommend checking those out as well. Um, Kubo from 2016 was really excellent. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a different style for sure the stop motion but it, it is so advanced and smooth it, it it almost doesn't seem like stop motion at times um so yeah hannah well thanks for coming on the show um best of luck with all your princess adventures Absolutely. You'll be our own resident Tinkerbell who can uh, swoop in that at any time. Yeah, I'll, I'll always uh, sprinkle some pixie dust on the podcast here. Well, you've certainly done so today. Uh, thanks for joining. And um, thanks to our listeners for listening to the Thodcast conversations about animation. So, Hannah, where can our listeners find you? Hannah Lee Ever After. Uh, you can find the show on our website, uh, thodcast.com, and, and uh, kind of all the various streaming platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud. And uh, yeah, just uh, tune in uh, every week. We'll have a new conversation about film and animation um, and Thank you so much for listening today. You all have a wonderful week. Thank you so much, Hannah. Bye-bye.